0: One, a two, a one.
1: It's time for the Better Horses Radio Show with Ernie Rodina. Saddle up and ride as we explore the Western way of life, horses and cows, family and friends, a relationship with the land, and a relationship with God. It's all here on Better Horses Radio. Now let's hit the trail with Ernie and his co-host, Don Dawson.
2: Hey folks, it's time to get around and talk horses. This is Ron McDaniel. And I'm Don Dawson. And you might see that we've had a little different start. We had a big weekend this last weekend, Don, and I think we wore poor old Ernie out. <laughs> we're having we're having trouble getting him tracked down right now, so we're starting to show without him. But we sure enjoyed spending some time with him this weekend.
3: Oh, it was awesome! He so many friends came by to visit, and um, he may pop in here in a little bit. So uh, hopefully, he can make it back on. But we did have a great time this weekend. And uh, loved every minute
2: of it. And we'll hear a little bit more about that during the show today. But uh, yes. right now, Don, I think what we're wanting to do is get things started right the way Better Horses has traditionally started as long as I've been a listener. Hey, Pastor Steve, are you with us? Hey, I'm with you today. It's good to be with you, kids, as always.
3: Well, it's good to be with you, Pastor Steve. And, uh, we know that you have a big week ahead of you, and we want to get this started, the show started off just right. So, can you do that for us?
0: Let's get this thing going. Hey, folks, it's always good to be with you week after week. We so look forward to this time. Well, you know what? This past weekend, we were all in Salina, Kansas for Equifest of Kansas. What a great event! All about horses and horsemanship. A chance to see some great cl- clinicians do what they do so that we can all go home and, well, try to do what they do. Now, I don't know about you, but it just seems like it never works out for me very well. You know, it got me to thinking, isn't that why we go to church? Why we go to small group Bible studies? Why we read and study God's word? So that we can learn the things, the mind, and the heart of God to help us to be the best that we can be. Yes, we go see these trainers so that we can be the best horsemen that we can be, and we get involved in church so we can be the best Christian that we can be. So it's our prayer here today at Better Horses that you too have a church home and that you get involved in your church, serving each other and learning and leaning on the heart of our Lord. Hey, this is Steve Stafford. I am the pastor at Risen Ranch Cowboy Church and a very proud member. Of the better horses
2: family hey pastor steve once again uh just such a great analogy that you drew there between the fact that we need to seek others who have studied who have done the homework who have uh, been through the process longer than we have so we can improve our horsemanship and how much more important it is for us to plug into a church a bible study a good teacher and i just want to say thanks for the way that you've served as a clinician for us, for those of us who want to improve our walk with the Lord. Well done. It was so good to see you. So good to watch you do your own clinic uh, around the gospel this weekend, Steve. We had a good time. It was,
0: uh, you know what, Ron? I don't even have the words uh, to describe what I experienced this weekend. But, you know, I say that every year. Right, it's just good, oh, It's good, it it's good to all- come together as friends. Yeah. yeah,
3: it was awesome. And as Jeff said, for a lot of years, you are our Christ clinician. So thank you, Steve. <laughs> what?
0: I thought Jeff. Yeah, yeah. Thank you.
3: Hey, I gotta run, right. kids. Good, to be with you. All right, ya. All right. love you. Love you too. Bye bye. Okay, bye. Bye bye. You know, he was right, Ron. It was quite the Sunday morning in church, and uh, the whole weekend was pretty blessed.
2: Yes, I uh, would encourage anybody that's listening, uh, anytime you have a chance to get out to Equifest, make sure that you make time Sunday morning uh, to hear Steve Stafford in person. You hear him all through the year. You can hear him in person as he uh, led us through a great church service uh, last Sunday morning. So, uh, Don, I guess you know what time it is right now, don't you?
3: Well, it is time for our Kansas State University Veterinary Health Tip of the Week. And we have Dr. Lori Beard. She's visiting with us about heaves. It's always a good reminder to stay up to date on that.
2: Let's go listen to her right now.
4: Hello, friends. Ernie Rudina with the Better Horses Radio Show here with your weekly KSU Veterinary and Health Center Equine Tip of the Week, and we got Dr. Lori Beard with us, and Dr. Beard, just a while back, we were talking about different things on coughing, and and heaves was brought up there, and we can expand farther on trying to identify what causes heaves, what we can do, some things we as a horseman can, maybe some management tips we can do to kind of of eliminate what's causing it and, and try to get to the bottom of heaves. Can you expand on that a little bit?
5: Yeah, absolutely. And first thing is, there's been a lot of terminology over the years. So heaves has been also referred to as COPD, which we don't do anymore. Another term is recurrent airway obstruction or RAO. Most current term, which is really reflects is what's happening is called asthma or equine asthma. And this we know is it's bronch restriction caused by something the horse is allergic to something they're inhaling. And most commonly, that's usually hay, something in the hay.
4: So what would you do Consider well, you're going to make some changes? If it's the first major change you would probably do on
5: a horse that is suffered from heaps. So first question I'm going to ask the owner is, are you feeding a round bale? And if they're, they have to put their head in the round bale to eat. And so round bales can be particularly uh, a, something that sets the horse off. So maybe that horse needs to be fed on a square bear only. Sometimes we'll actually recommend that the hay gets, soaked or wetted down um, and fed on the ground would be the other things. So certainly not in a hay net. So uh, really paying attention to how the horse is being fed. Um, Other things would be, gosh, can the horse get out on a pasture during the summer and spring and not even have to be fed?
4: Some great advice from Dr. Lori Beard at Kansas State University. Doc, appreciate all you do. And I would urge you folks to make sure you get a good relationship going with your local vet and work with that. work on a team. And, you know, uh, I look at uh, maintaining proper health on a horse. It's, it's a constant deal, uh, teamwork and working with your vet and possibly Kansas state university doc. Thank you so much.
2: Thank you. Dawn, there's just another example of a great partnership that Better Horses has put together with our friends there at the Kansas State University Veterinary Health Center, which they were out there and very active at Equifest this last weekend. So, sure was good to see some of them in person and to have gotten that tip uh, from Doctor Lori Beard. Uh, boy, we've got a we've got a great show lined up, Don. Uh, we're going to start out talking to the latest bud newell award winner and that's dr justin jansen and then who are we going to bring on after that Don?
3: well ron you got the chance to visit with felipe massetti and uh he's called the long he's a long rider i don't know if he's called a long rider but he is a long rider and a uh, very interesting story you had a great interview with him everybody gets to listen to today
2: well i can't wait to get to that but we better take a break before then uh don This is Better Horses Radio, folks. Stay with us.
6: This is your chance to experience a 13-day horse show beginning June 14th to June 24th. 2023 marks 58 years of the Pinto World Championship. With $1 million in cash and prizes, there are no qualifications required to enter. Held in Tulsa, Oklahoma, located at the Ford Livestock Complex, the Pinto World Championship caters to all types of equines. With 700 classes, the Pinto Show welcomes a variety of breeds to compete. It's a family environment and healthy competition. For more information, check out the website PintoWorld.com.
7: Runny nose, cough, fever, it's flu season for humans and horses. Like human flu vaccines, equine flu vaccines must be updated to protect against the flu strains circulating now. Merck Animal Health's flu-containing vaccines include the most current flu strains, protecting your horse from illness and time mistraining because of it. Talk with your veterinarian about Prestige flu vaccines and learn more about the science of advanced protection at PrestigeVaccines.com. We're here for the hardworking, the resilient.
1: We're for the people who measure their days by what needs to get done, not by hours. Where kids learn responsibility at a young age and generations work side by side. Where work doesn't pause for holidays or bad weather, it just gets harder. Where value and hard work means more than the clothes you wear. We're Klein Schmidt's Western Store, Higginsville, Missouri.
8: Routine dental examination and treatments are essential for high quality horse care. To prevent potential problems, a horse's mouth should be examined at least once a year. I'm Dr. Chris Blevins, equine field service veterinarian at Kansas State University Veterinary Health Center. We can examine the mouth and provide a treatment plan to meet the needs of each client and their horse. Visit us at ksvhc.org, the Veterinary Health Center, to discover, to teach,
2: to heal. Hey, we're back. Thanks for listening to Better Horses Radio. I'm Ron McDaniel.
3: And I'm Don Dawson.
2: And folks, we have got an interview coming up next. But Before we get to that, Don, I think we want to introduce a sponsor of this segment. But uh, be quick, because we can't wait to talk to Dr. Justin Jansen. But who's sponsoring this segment of the show, Don?
3: It will be quick because I can't wait either. Uh, Our next segment is brought to you by Merck Animal Health. Go to their website, merckanimalhealth.com and see all the products that they have from their wormer, safeguard and panicure to their prestige line of vaccines. And uh, this guy is somebody that you've probably called on in the past if you're in our area about what vaccine you need to give this time of year. We have uh, Dr. Justin Jansen on with us today from Alma, Kansas. Uh, He's been all over the country Ah, uh, born out in the western part of Kansas, and then took off to Indiana for a lot of years, and back to Kansas. So we have Dr. Justin Jansen. Are you with us, Dr. Jansen?
2: Yes, I am. Thank you, Don. Hey, Dr. Jansen. Uh, we talked a little bit before we went on the air, and and we want to talk a little bit about the Bud Newell Award. But before we get there, Don talked about you've kind of made a big circle, and if you wouldn't mind take our listeners back to what golf, what got you involved in, in horses? What, what interested you in becoming a veterinarian and specifically an equine veterinarian? And then what brought you back to Kansas? If, if you wouldn't mind, make that circle for us. Thank
9: you, Ron. I guess it all started when I was five years old. I got a black and white pony for Christmas and, uh, you know, I'd ridden with a parent or two, but, uh, that probably started my interest in horses, and I was fortunate to grow up in a ranching farming um, family operation that we ran a cow-calf operation, and we used horses to facilitate that, and uh, there's something about the horse that just appealed to me, and, and livestock in general, but when I was in the sixth grade, I uh, watched my father and a local veterinarian treat a water belly steer. That was a... Uh, 500-pound animal that had blocked his ability to urinate, and and uh, the veterinarian came out and tried to do what he could to save that animal, and and that was the first time I th- really thought about becoming a veterinarian, and so I pursued that goal. Was uh, fortunate enough to uh, be accepted into vet school at Kansas State. Even more fortunate that they let me graduate. Had a commitment to go to the Army Veterinary Corps for two years, and. And that uh, took me to uh, the St. Louis area of the country. And while there, I um, went to Ohio State to a short course and met a veterinarian from Indiana that had an all-horse practice. And I never really intended to be an equine practitioner because I didn't want to live near a large city. But I ended up going to Indiana with the thought I'd stay one year, maybe two, and and stayed three years in that practice and thought I was coming back to Kansas to start a general kind of a county seat type of veterinary practice. And and at the last minute, decided to stay in Indiana and start our own practice. And that was due to the encouragement of people there and, and especially some veterinary colleagues. So uh, Mary, my wife, uh, who we've now been married almost 52 years, she was supportive of that and has been supportive of my activities. And we started our own practice and and eventually over a 30-year period grew it to five or six veterinarians and um, the focus was primarily on horses but i did some some ruminant work and some of the other veterinarians did small animal but it was a it was a mixed practice it was 70 percent equine and and uh, both of our we have a son and daughter they both came to k-state and um once we figured out kind of where their lives were going uh, uh, we were able to uh, pass that practice on to a younger veterinarian. And, and uh, we moved back to Kansas now 17 years ago. So um,
3: It seems yeah. just like yesterday that you showed up here <laughs> in Wobunsee County, but it, it, uh, we love having you in the area, Dr. Jansen. I got to tell everybody just a little bit of a secret about uh, Dr. Jansen is that if you guys have ever heard of uh, Rory Feek, his wife Joey Feek, worked for Dr. Jansen while he was in Indiana, and uh, they became very close and uh, we got the opportunity to meet uh, Joey and Rory at uh, dr Jansen's house just around the corner from us and it was a it was a very big blessing wasn't it, Dr. Jansen to have her in your life
9: yeah she Joey was a very unique individual um, she lived in our one of our clinic uh, buildings and was part of a really part of our family for almost five years before she made the big decision in her life to go to nashville and see if she could crack the nut down there and um she was <laughs> you know, there's lots of stories we could talk about joey and and we got to meet rory you know in that part of her life when when they had met and um you know it's she, she was truly a special person i we miss her. You know, everybody misses her. So she touched a lot of lives.
2: Hey, Don, I, I would pass on one of my favorite stories here about Dr. Jensen. I had met Dr. Jansen when he was still in Indiana and uh, he sold that practice to a, a fine young couple. They still run Jansen vet clinic to this day. And uh, they, 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 they continue that legacy that he started. But he was in the process of moving over here to Kansas, and we had a a, a meeting. Merck had put together a little meeting in Kansas City with some veterinarians, and I had hired Jeff Dawson to be our entertainment that night at this little meeting we had. it was
3: actually in Lexington, Kentucky. It wasn't even that close to us.
2: And uh, well, that was a that was another meeting. This one was was right here in Kansas City when we brought Jeff over, and Jeff had mentioned. Uh, that he lived in Alma, Kansas, and I had the opportunity to go over and introduce you guys to your new neighbor before you guys had ever met each other. What a small That's world! True. What yeah. a small world this 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 horse world really is. And and, and so to come back full circle, if we could, Doctor Jansen, you came back to Kansas to get closer to family, to get closer to those grandchildren that uh, you and Mary love spending so much time with, but you didn't come back and just sit on your pockets. Uh, you got involved. I, I ran into you uh, when you spent some time uh, riding with a young cowboy. It was grazing a number of steers. You got involved in the Kansas horse industry here while you were here. And just this weekend, uh, you were honored with the Bud Newell Award by the Kansas Horse Council. And for our listeners that may not know what that is, Bud Newell, I believe, Dr. Jensen, was one of the founders of the Kansas Horse Council here and and was a man who served the industry. And that award now is is given annually uh, and voted on by the board members of the Kansas Horse Council of an individual that they believe has given exemplary service to the horse industry and to the profession here and to the horse council specifically. So I know that was quite an honor. And yet I think Don and I would both say uh, well-deserved by you and talk to us just a little bit about your involvement in the industry here. You didn't come back and just prop your feet up. Well, thank you, Ron. Um,
9: yeah, the Bud Newell award is, uh, was a real surprise to me when they presented it. Um, you know, there's a, a group of people that have received that award, which Ernie Rodina is one of those people. And, and you know, uh, Jim and Cheryl Thomas, Ann White, Chris Blevins, Chris Keggy, Stevens, Tara Ken Benefit, a lot of volunteers that have helped the Horse Council along the way. So it's pretty humbling to, to be a part of that group. Uh, but Bud Newell was, was, as you said, Ron, one of the people that helped get the Kansas Horse Council started. And um, he really dedicated a tremendous effort to promoting the horse industry statewide. And, and um, I, I feel honored to be even closely associated with that. So um, Kansas Horse Council is, um, you know, really trying to do a good job of promoting the horse industry statewide. And, and um, you know, I was involved in Indiana with actually helped start the Indiana Horse Council in 1977. And we had our first horse fair, which is um, equal to Equifest of Kansas uh, in 1978. And uh, I guess I'm a slow learner because I kept just hanging around and and uh, trying to learn from other people in the industry. And and when I could, you know, make hopefully make a positive contribution. So the same thing kind of happened a little bit by accident, you know, here in Kansas. And Patty Stalder, who was the executive secretary for about nine years of the Horse Council, kind of called me and asked me if I would help go lobby at the state legislature on uh, on the effort that they were trying to get moved forward. So, you know, I probably have a little bit of trouble with saying no, but I I enjoy people in agriculture and especially in, in animal agriculture and and the horses my my probably my first love. I. I enjoy horses and I enjoy horse people. So it just, it comes pretty easy.
3: Well, you did have a big background with the Hoosier Horse Fair in uh, Indiana and the Indiana Horse Council as well. And I think that the Kansas Horse Council is so appreciative of the knowledge that you brought with you back to Kansas. The guidance that you help everybody with is, is extremely valued, Dr. Jansen.
9: Well, thank you. It's you know, we tried a lot of things in Indiana and we figured out a few things that worked and some that didn't. And, and you know, if you can learn by somebody else's experience, that's uh, that's really beneficial. So ho- hopefully we did more good than damage. So, oh, yeah. well, one I'm thing quite- that
3: I want to mention is that you are very involved with the Kansas State University Veterinary Health Center to this day. And in fact, you customized and designed a portable horse stock for the units to take out in the field with them. But you're still very involved with them, aren't you, Dr. Jansen?
9: Yeah, whenever the vet school calls, um, I try to respond. The animal science department has been um, an opportunity to help serve, you know, to um, hopefully influence some students' lives. And, you know, the majority of the pre-vet students go through uh, animal science and industry on their way to going into the vet school. And, you know, it's kind of one of those win-win situations if you can help them get started. And then, then if they get into vet school, you know, it's enjoyable to see those young people and see their enthusiasm. And, you know, um, my original goal was to, if, if they could learn from my mistakes, I was really glad to to pass, (laughs) pass that knowledge on.
2: Don, I, I had the thrill for several years of watching this humble gentleman uh, serve the horse industry throughout. We're talking about Kansas, and yes, he was recognized as an outstanding alumni from the Kansas State Vet School. He, he, he was also an honorary commissioner of agriculture in Indiana, and his contributions to the American Association of Equine Practitioners, and his opportunity to serve there. Uh, there are reason why I am not surprised that the Kansas Horse Council saw a, a man that has given back so much. And, and I, I want to wrap up very quickly uh, to say you and, and Mary both uh, have meant so much to so many people here in Kansas. Uh, and we love your humility, uh, but you two uh, have been so important to so many families who are trying to keep their kids involved with horses. And if, as they've watched how you have have uh, shepherded your own family, uh, you've been a real inspiration to us all. So this has been an honor and a pleasure to bring you on to Better Horses Radio and say thank you and congratulations on that award. Well, thank you, Ron and
9: and Don and, and Ernie. Uh, we appreciate what you do for the industry, and,
2: and uh, we wish you the best in the future.
3: Well, we'll, we'll stay up we to date. Got-
2: Yep. As long as we got leaders like you around to keep us steered in the right direction, we'll keep going. And we thank you again for being on here. Folks, this is Better Horses Radio. Stay with us. Hey, thanks for coming back to Better Horses Radio. I'm Ron McDaniel.
3: And I'm Don Dawson. And our next segment is brought to you by DECRA, the makers of Osphos Enzymeta. Check out those those two products, both of them. You can go to their individual websites, Osphos, O-S-P-H-U-S, or Zymeta, Z-I-M-E-T-A, and see what they do. Osphos is amazing. You want to check it out. Hey, Ron, our next guest is Felipe Massetti, the long rider, and you had a chance to visit with him. Let's go listen to that.
2: This is Ron McDaniel with Better Horses Radio, and I'm with Felipe Massetti at the Equifest of Kansas, I was walking by his booth, and it was packed with people. Uh, This guy just looked like to me of somebody I ought to sit down and visit with. And, folks, this is just going to be part one of many conversations to come. Just as he and I have been talking before we went on air here, we realized we could talk for a few hours and never get to the bottom of what we'd like to learn uh, about my new friend here, Felipe. Felipe, thanks for joining us on Better Horses. And if you would, give us a little bit of your background and talk to us about what, long riders and what long riding is and then we want to get into your story.
8: Sounds good, Ron. Thank you so much for the opportunity to be telling my story. It's been real nice to meet you. You know that's uh, one of the best parts about these shows. You get to meet some spectacular folks. You know everyone's got a story to tell, and uh, I just love it. You know it just sometimes becomes friends for life, right? So it's super cool. So first of all, I'll start with what is a long rider? Many people don't know. Uh, a long rider is an individual, man or woman, who rides more than a thousand miles consecutively in a single journey. If you go back in history, Charles Darwin was a long rider. Marco Polo was a long rider. Uh, Oscar Wilde was a long rider. Aim Chifley, um, and that's where my story starts. Aim Chifley, Swiss school teacher, 1925, saddled up two Criollo horses in Buenos Aires, Argentina, and rode all the way to New York in the United States. Got there in 1928. Wrote a great book called Chifley's Ride. My dad used to read me this book every night before I went to sleep. Age three, four, five. four, five—it's the first story I can remember. My dad's an epic cowboy. Rode Bronx, rode bulls, used to rope, cut, you name it. So I grew up with my dad as my hero. wanted to be a cowboy and aim Chifley. Imagining traveling around Mexico on a horse? Like, are you kidding me, getting to the United States on the back of a horse? Like, how cool is that? So I'd be on my little horse at the ranch in Brazil. I was born in Brazil, outside of Sao Paulo. You know, just imagining what it'd be like. And it was something very gradual. Slowly it just started building and building and building until one day the dream became a project. Uh, my parents moved to Canada when I was nine years old. I used to high school rodeo, used to rope. And in my last year of college, I was like, either I do a long ride or I do nothing with my life. So. Build a war room, didn't have a single horseshoe, got everything donated to me, the horses, the saddle, the pack saddle, learned how to you know, pack, had no idea how to throw a hitch. You know, it's a lot different than tying out roping. Learned what kind of saddle I should take, what kind of blankets, everything. And 8 of July, 2012, took the first step, left Calgary, Alberta, rode for 803 days, to my hometown in Brazil. Largest rodeo in Brazil, Bajitos, Largest rodeo in Latin America. If you've never heard of it, go check it out. It's pretty cool. And then from Bajitos continued on to the southern tip of Argentina, a little place called Ushuaia, as far as the land allowed me to go in South America. And then when I got there, I'm like, heck, now I only have the north, right? So two years ago, I started the final leg of my ride from Alaska back to Calgary. So eight years, 16,000 miles across 12 countries. That's who Felipe is. Wow,
2: I'm sure folks listening like me can't even imagine the preparation that went into that. Yes, sir. And and talk to us a little bit about maybe some of the biggest challenges of just getting started. I mean, you you came through it so fluidly. I had to learn this. <laughs> I had to learn that. What did you find were the biggest learning curves for your first trip, Felipe?
8: Yeah, it definitely was not fluid. That's not a word I would use, you know. Like, like anyone, learning is hard for me as well. Um, you know, the first big hurdle is putting fear aside. You know, we all have a a defense mechanism, survival mechanism in our brains that was from when we lived in caves, right? So when you have a crazy idea like this, your entire body says, don't do it, man, you're gonna die. So it was first of all silencing that little voice that was like, what the hell are you doing? And then everyone else that's telling you, you're gonna die, how are you gonna cross Mexico on a horse? Like you're throwing your life in the garbage. This is never gonna work. And that was really tough, you know, just having that courage to say, you know what? I am gonna do this. I may not have anything right now, but I'm gonna figure it out. So those two years were, were arduous, to say the least. You know, the journey prior to the journey, um, learning how to pack. Like I said, I had no experience packing in the mountains. I had no experience traveling with horses. I had never traveled one kilometer with a horse. You know, my my reality of horses was, you know, you you go to the ranch, you saddle your horse. You rope a couple calves, you put the horse back in the stall, you come back the next day, you do the same thing, you haul it to a rodeo, you know, in a trailer, you finish there, you go to the slack in the next town. And that's it you know it's completely different to grab a horse and ride eight ten hours a day you know ride for weeks ride for years my first ride was two years and a half almost so what I did is I spoke to long riders around the world you get it from the horse's mouth you don't reinvent the wheel you talk to people that have done it uh, read every type of literature I could and went to a clinic out in northern BC uh, Stan Walchuk an epic Canadian long rider and these people taught me everything I know you know I learned how to throw a hitch double diamond hitch I learned how to balance my pack saddle I learned how to use hobbles uh, which I'd never used in my life and became you know, one of my number one tools, you know, I learned all the skills that I needed, you know, how many kilometers to ride a day, um, got to 20 miles. That's what that's what you can do how to highlight a horse, how to train a horse uh, for this kind of work. And, uh, you know, it took two years, it it wasn't easy. And then I ended up learning a lot on the road as well doing it. But um, I always tell people, you're not going to be 100% ready to take that first step. So I got as prepared as I could. And then when I felt like I knew some things, I started and uh, in the journey, I, I learned a lot more.
2: So, Felipe, let me let me ask you a thousand miles in one journey. Did you did you take some training trips? Did did you did you take a couple of few hundred mile trips? Or did you just kind of get your horses legged up and take off on that first thousand mile journey? Tell us about the lead up to that first step off on your first long rider's journey?
8: Yeah, so no, I did not do any practice rides, you know. I just, uh, I jumped off the edge there. Um, so yeah, it was just after I went, uh, I left uh, my, my where I was living in near Toronto where I was going to school and uh, took a bus out west, met a long rider by the name of Bernice Andy. Some people have heard of her. She's got a book called um, End of the Trail, but like her name, Andy of the Trail, was an amazing woman. Spoke to her, she was doing a long ride around Canada. Met her in camp, she was awesome. She gave me so many tips and and saw her horses, how she worked with them, the saddle pad shoes, saddles, everything else. And then continued on to Stan Walchuk's clinic spent uh, almost two weeks out there with him he's got this awesome uh ranch he's got a, a classroom aspect of it he's got this book that he printed just on everything you can imagine on how to pack how to how to camp out with horses how to train them and then after those two weeks went to calgary met my horses one of them came came from stan weaver in montana uh the other from copper spring ranch brian anderson also in montana uh donated just amazing people i can't You know, thank them enough. These people believed in me before I had taken the single step. Only had seven days to work with those horses, which was insanity. But that's just the way the universe wanted it, God, whatever you want to call it. And a uh, rough beginning, the first day that I went to work with them, got bucked off, broke my finger, ripped my pants, questioned everything that I was doing with my life. But we're cowboys, so we work harder when the tough gets going. And uh, managed to get that one horse to calm down, Frenchie, and, and got the pack on him. And was like, all right, he can carry the pack for the first little while. And Bruiser, the, the chestnut, the second horse, was, was a lot better. And then July 8th, uh, left the Calgary Stampede, accompanied by the the Royal Mounted Police, and it was like, I always tell people, it's like I had a bowling ball lodged in my throat, eh? Because I was so scared. I was like, what did I get myself into, man? Like, um, didn't know where I was gonna sleep that night had no idea how the hell I was gonna survive in Mexico. Everyone I met told me that I was gonna be brutally murdered in Mexico. It's never like a, a, a good death either. It's like, they're gonna rip your arms, they're gonna rip your head off, you know, they're gonna put your cauldron full of acid. I was like, oh my God, like you've been watching too many Martin Scorsese films. Uh, but anyways, you know, that it was a mix of emotions. It was it was a kid living his dream, you know, I, I dreamt of this my entire life. I would worked for two years to, to get to that point. Uh, but a lot of fear. Like I, I, was. It hit me. You know, when I got on that side of that highway, too, headed for Montana. Like the, the, the size, the scope of what I was trying to do. I was gonna ride 10,000 miles on that first journey to Brazil um you know and it's it's just crazy because it's three miles an hour it's 20 miles a day so um it's like nothing you ever do in your life right nothing can prepare you for this um but i I jumped off that edge like i said and that first day i knocked on a stranger's door and asked for help and they took me in and and that was the entire journey you know it's uh one of the most special parts about what i've done is uh you're able to see the kindness of humanity like i would not have ridden one single kilometer were it not for these Angels that I met along the way in 12 different countries, you know, and, and you go from ranch to ranch, from farm to farm, and I think the values that we carry, um, you know, the respect, uh, the kindness, this idea of helping your brother out or your sister, whether you're branding cows or, or you know, you're castrating or you got to fix a fence, you know, everyone comes together and, and helps each other out, and, and that's the only reason why I was able to do this because all these ranchers and farmers just passed me on.
2: So, folks, if you just tuned in, this is Better Horses Radio, and we're listening to Felipe Massetti. And if you have been tuned in, you've got so many questions like I do, (laughs) and we'll only answer a tiny fraction of those questions, but we've got a solution. For folks who want to know more, yes, sir. you've produced some books as a result of this. Tell us a little bit about the books you've written and then we'll come back and get jump back into the story.
8: Yes, sir. So if you're interested in, in what I've done, maybe you want to learn about long riding, maybe you like to pack or you just like adventure, uh, these are the books for you. My first book is called Long Ride Home. Um, it's about the journey from Canada to Brazil. My second book is called Long Ride to the End of the World. It's about my journey from Brazil to the southern tip of Argentina, a little town called Ushuaia, called the end of the world, because after that, there's nothing else. (laughs) It's a South Pole. And then the last journey I did from Alaska to Calgary, I just released that book. It's called Last Long Ride. So as you can tell, I think it's going to be my last long ride. We'll see in 10 years or so if I get the itch. But uh, those books are bestsellers. The first book, Long Ride Home, is going to become a major motion picture. shooting it uh this year so there'll be actors and actresses uh portraying you know the horses and eyes so they'll be better looking than all of us uh but yeah read the book because they always say the book's better than the movie right
2: so there's so many questions that i want to ask uh i want to one ask one question about how you survived and then i want to ask another question about your horses let's start with you Uh, we've talked about learning to pack uh, getting these horses trained but how did you feed yourself? How did you resupply? How, how did you prepare yourself? Because I'm sure going 20 miles at a time, there's not a McDonald's every place you're going.
8: <laughs> no, there's not, sir. You never get anywhere. So the, the simple answer to that, how I survived, is strategic planning. You know, for companies, for ranches, for farms, for our lives, it's the difference between success and failure. For me and my animals, it's life and death. Simple example, have you watched Into the Wild? Yes. Why yes. did he, why'd he die? Because he he didn't Unprepared. think about the river. Unprepared. That's right. He didn't. He couldn't eat the meat he shot. He didn't realize the river was going to come up that he had crossed and he couldn't get back. If that kid would have done a little bit of planning, he would still be alive to tell the story today. So I don't believe in luck. Uh, the only reason why I was able to you know eat bread with the drug lords and survive grizzly bears and and you name it was because I planned. And and the first part was doing that big planning that I talked about those two years. You know, drawing your route learning how to pack, learning how to travel with horses, making connections in all these countries. And then the second part is the small planning that you do. You know, I'm at your ranch. I say, okay, I'm in Bozeman. I need to ride south towards Wyoming. How many days to the next town? Oh, it's going to be 100 miles. Okay, I ride 20 miles a day. Is there anything in the way? No, there's not a single ranch, not a house. You got to take everything with you. So if I'm going to do 20 miles a day, it's 100 miles, 20, 40, 60, 80. So I know I need to take five days of breakfast, lunch, and Dinner with me. Maybe I take two more days because something happens. A horse gets sore, you get caught in a rainstorm, you gotta wait up. So you take everything with you. You get to the next town, the next ranch, you plan the next stretch. And that's how you kind of get slowly further and further south.
2: Talk about your horses for just a minute. How many horses did you start with and did you finish with the same horses?
8: So I started with French and Bruiser, two quarter horses, like I said, given to me from ranches in Montana. Uh, When I got into Wyoming, a rancher gave me a third horse, Texas. Um, He was a horse that wasn't as strong as the other two. So when I got into um, New Mexico, Texas, I ended up trading him off for a Mustang. a Native American Mustang, which was amazing, really cool to to get an opportunity to work with that horse, dude. And those three horses went all the way to Brazil. Wow! They're my kids. Yeah, like the the connection I I have with those animals uh, is just unbelievable. Like they're like an extension of my body. And um, you know, I only ate after they'd eaten. I only drink water after they'd had a drink. And and thank God they arrived. And when they did, I, I retired the three the three kids of my family's ranch in Brazil. Uh, when I met them, I told them, boys, it's it's going to be a tough journey here. We're going to war, but we're all gonna get there and and I'm gonna retire you guys when I get home. So, They're living in Brazil, living the good life now. Um, Then I suffered so much in that journey, uh, crossing borders, eh? People don't really think much about that, but you know, the hardest part about what I've done was crossing these international borders with the same animals. Uh, You know, in the US and Canada, you gotta get your Coggins. You got an order, you're fine. But when you get to Mexico, Guatemala, Honduras, there's so much bureaucracy, there's so much corruption, there's so much red tape, that I ended up doing each country with its own horse after that. So I did Southern Brazil with two quarter horse mares, got to the border, got new mares in Uruguay, trained them, rode them to Montevideo, sent them back to the owners, and then got to Argentina. And then this is the cool part about the, the story is um, the same ranch that lent Aim Chifley, his horses in 1925, lent me two Criollos of the same bloodline as those two, as those two horses. And I got to start from the ranch where Aim Chifley's ashes are, where these two horses that... You know, I dreamt about Manche and Gato, where their bones are buried, so that was just, you know, I always say that when you're on the right path, I feel like God, the universe, you know, you get these little presents that say, hey, man, you're, you're on the right track. And, and I was, and I met my fiancé in southern Argentina. Uh, her parents gave me a place to stay, and I stole the farmer's daughter and, <laughs> and asked her to marry me. We're going to get married next year, so uh, my life changed on that trip. And then the final journey uh, from Alaska to Calgary, I rode two wild horses from the Okanagan Valley. Well,
2: uh, Felipe, I knew this time was going to fly by. We're going to have you back. But until then, I I know there are folks who are not going to want to wait for the next time we get you on the radio. Tell us how they would get a hold of you, how they would order your books, and where they can look for the movie.
8: Yes, sir. So the books, uh, you can uh, buy on Amazon. That's the easiest way, Amazon.com. Long Ride Home, Long Ride's the End of the World, and Last, Long Ride. Um, When you read it, please give us some stars, uh, comment that helps out tremendously. I have a documentary I shot the entire journey, um, all eight years. It's called The Long Rider. Um, It's out right now on Amazon Prime in Canada. Uh, It's won 19 awards, including the uh, Western Heritage Award uh, from the National Cowboy Museum, So super proud of that. Best documentary of the year. Um, And it will be coming out in the U.S. very soon. So stay tuned for that, The Long Rider. And if you want to follow me on Instagram, it's at Felipe Massetti, F-I-L-I-P-E-M-A-S-E-T-T-I.
2: Folks, you just heard him right there, Felipe Massetti. Thank you so much for joining us at Better Horses Radio. And we're going to get you on again soon.
8: For sure. Thank you, sir.
3: What a fun interview, Ron! I was—I'm sorry that I missed out on that over the weekend at Equifest. That was awesome.
2: Yeah, we'd love to have had you there, and and Don, you're going to get your chance because uh, as our listeners just experienced, man, we just scratched the surface. He wrote three books about three very long rides, and and I think uh, you know we got some explanation there. I had heard of long riders, but I did not realize it was at least a thousand miles consecutively no. ridden. And I didn't uh, so, either. we'll hear more from Felipe, and we'll be looking for that movie next year as well.
3: I I know at Equifest his video room was filled with people, so uh, it, I know that people were so intrigued about it. So I'm glad you got to visit with him, and we could yeah. get him out on the radio.
2: So. Yeah, sure did. Hey, folks, this is Better Horses Radio. We'll be right back.
1: No matter what discipline of riding you do, training, showing, and everyday stress is hard on your horse's legs. Decra Veterinary Products is a leading lameness company that brought you Osphos. Osphos is a quadrinate injection and intramuscular bisphosphonate to help control the clinical signs of navicular syndrome in horses four years and older. Ask your veterinarian if Osphos is right for your horse. Decra Veterinary Products is a proud sponsor of The American.
5: Hi, I'm Dr. Dylan Luter, a specialist in equine performance medicine at the Kansas State University Veterinary Health Center. Our new service focuses on lameness diagnosis, advanced imaging, physical therapy, and regenerative medicine for horses with injuries preventing them from performing at their best. We can treat a variety of conditions and design a customized rehabilitation plan to meet the needs of each client and their horse. Visit us at ksvhc.org, the Veterinary Health Center, to discover, to teach, to heal.
0: John Deere is known for quality equipment. This quality has created a perception that John Deere is more expensive than other brands. But high quality doesn't mean high price. The truth from buyers in our area is customers who have purchased a John Deere Compact Utility Tractor saved more than $2,000 when buying from Heritage Tractor. Dare to compare us before buying. You and your wallet will be surprised. Nothing runs as long as a Deere, and we'll prove it with our exclusive 10-year warranty. Visit heritagetractor.com compare- to learn more.
7: It's time to fall into forage and save. Stanley Premium Western Forage is offering one of the biggest promotions of the year. Buy any three Stanley products and get $5 off. Stanley Premium Western Forage offers the highest quality premium forage from the western United States. During the summer months, Stanley's farm employees carefully nurture and harvest their fields to make sure the forage meets their product specifications and exceed your quality standards. Winter is coming. Get prepared now with the help of Stanley Premium Forage. Visit stanleyforage.com coupons to Download your coupon now. Runny nose, cough, fever. It's flu season for humans and horses. Like human flu vaccines, equine flu vaccines must be updated to protect against the flu strains circulating now. Merck Animal Health's flu-containing vaccines include the most current flu strains, protecting your horse from illness and time mistraining because of it. Talk with your veterinarian about prestige flu vaccines. And learn more about the science of advanced protection at prestigevaccines.com we're here for the hardworking,
1: the resilient we're for the people who measure their days by what needs to get done not by hours where kids learn responsibility at a young age and generations work side by side where work doesn't pause for holidays or bad weather it just gets harder where value and hard work means more than the clothes you wear. We're Klein Schmidt's Western Store, Higginsville, Missouri.
7: It's time to go with United Mosquito and Fly Control's premier fly system for fly control in your barn. Providing relief for horses from the stress of fighting flies and also makes a barn more pleasant for everyone in the barn. Easy, effective, and safe. With United Mosquito and Fly Control, we provide a full service. You as the barn owner don't have to do anything. We go everywhere and take care of everything with our friendly fast service. Call today at 913-558-3814 or email paul at unitedmosquito.com.
6: This is your chance to experience a 13-day horse show beginning June 14th to June 24th. 2023 marks 58 years of the Pinto World Championship. With $1 million in cash and prizes, there are no qualifications required to enter. Held in Tulsa, Oklahoma, located at the Ford Livestock Complex, the Pinto World Championship caters to all types of equines. With 700 classes, the Pinto Show welcomes a variety of breeds to compete. It's a family environment and healthy competition. For more information, check out the website PintoWorld.com.
2: Hey, we're back. This is Better Horses Radio. I'm Ron McDaniel.
3: And I'm Don Dawson. And our next segment is brought to you by Stanley Premium Western Forage. Go to their website. We love their products. And we are serious about that. They are amazing hay products that you can't get anywhere else. Stanleyforage.com. And Kleinschmidt's Western Store over in Higginsville, Missouri. You're driving down the interstate. You've got to stop. We had several people come down interstate that ended up in Equifest and bragged and bragged and bragged on stopping in there. So be sure to do it.
2: Hey, Dawn. Uh, speaking of folks coming into Equifest, w- what a great weekend! I know we're a year away from the next one, but I think it'd be fun just very quickly to to recap. We got to see and hear and and rub shoulders with so many good clinicians we're going to hear next week from sally batten who was a a very popular clinician at equifest we got to watch buster and cheryl mcclory as they did a number of demonstrations Uh, one of them that's always popular is trailer loading that that difficult horse uh we got to watch kurt Pate, patrick sullivan don what were some of your favorite highlights about equifest
3: I'll tell you Kurt Pate's clinics were awesome this year um i i I kind of gave him a hard time, but he had some mistakes happen with his dogs and his horses, but he showed us how to get through it and you know, I think that's something that I love to see happen in a demonstration is where things don't go right, and then they show us how it you don't have to panic that it can be resolved pretty simply if you just slow down and think about it and I thought yeah. that was that was really good.
2: That's really a good point because uh, things are more likely to go wrong when I get back home and try to do that than they are to go uh, marvelously. So uh, I mean, that was...
3: one of one of his comments, one of Kurt's comments was nobody ever sees these mistakes out in the pasture because I'm by myself. And that's so true. You know, when our mistakes happen.
2: Yeah, that was good. And it was fun to watch uh, just the crowd's response to Patrick Sullivan. You know, Liberty... Yes is something that uh, folks are now beginning to understand, but still trying to figure out, how do I incorporate that? And so to see him work with so many folks who are able to begin to pick up those principles, uh, it was just a, a, a great clinic to watch.
3: And I got to tell you, I'm one of them. I never really thought I was going to be interested in doing any kind of Liberty work or training, but after watching Patrick and Avery, I am. And so that that that's just uh, that just goes for what they did for the weekend. And you know, real quickly, um, the Madison Wisconsin Midwest Horse Fair is coming up April 14th, 15th, and 16th. You guys, if you go to that and you see somebody you would like to hear on the radio and talk further, we would love to do it having them on. So give us a clue, email me dawn at betterhorsesradio.com or ernie at betterhorsesradio.com and give us some ideas of who you'd like to have on the show.
2: Yeah, you know, Don. that's where some of our uh, great finds are, where we run into some folks at some of these shows, many of them on the way up with their career as a clinician. And so if you see somebody, please take Dawn up with that. And uh, Don, this was a great show, but now we've come to the end of the show. And wrapping this up without Ernie is going to be a little bit different today.
3: It is that time, Ron. It's hard to believe.
2: Yep, it's hard to believe this is the end of the show. I'm Ron McDaniel.
3: And I'm Don Dawson. Happy trails. And Ernie, you be a good buckaroo this week. (laughs) And be
2: sure to ride for the brand, Ernie.